You're listening to the Music Interval Theory Podcast with TC and Frank. Hello, everybody. This is Frank, as usual, and I'm welcoming you to another great episode in the Music Interval Theory Podcast. Today, I'm not alone because I have a special guest and friend with me in the Virgil studio, and that is Olivier Bost-Vironois. We will be talking about one of his compositions that he wrote for the Interval Theory Composition course, and he calls it My Favorite Nightmare. So without any further ado, let's jump into the content. Hello, Olivier. Great to have you back here in the Virgil studio. Today, we talk about my favorite nightmare and in particular, how to use 4 plus 4 in your writing, which is probably a bit more abstract to a lot of the conventional or diatonic composers. I would like to play the orchestral version that yeah. came out of this sketch here. We should mention there is one bar that is this guy here. Also, this gets repeated in the development, right? And a bit later down there, I believe we, we yeah. run through a repetition. But I will follow with this red little dot here. I will follow the playback to not lose anybody when we just look at the sketch. But listen to the orchestral version that you wrote. Very nice and very moody, almost um, scary to some degree. My favorite nightmare. So, Olivier, please um, take it away and let us know how you constructed the sketch. And maybe we can even, if we have enough time, look at the orchestration real quick. Yes, of course. So we talk about the beginning, the use of 4 plus 4. And me, I wanted to use it in a horizontal way, because we have the possibility, of course, to express vertical chords in a horizontal way. Uh, it gives also an, another kind of mood feelings also, probably even more intriguing in a way than just playing chords sometimes. 
and I've played uh, the four plus four with different woodwinds. They are taking uh, the the four plus four. If we go in the orchestration, we will see. And also in the orchestration, there is just two added bar in the beginning, and I've played an interval of eleven, which is the distance between the two four plus four. So despite I've used only horizontal line, I gave the feeling of vertical with this little, uh, it's not a cluster, but uh, 11 interval. Yeah, a little bit of dissonance for sure. Yeah, a little, yes, yeah, because also the four plus four has an intriguing uh, feeling when it's not resolved at all. For me, it's very uh, Bernard Herrmann, also uh, Hitchcock composer. And uh, we, we never know where we can go with a four plus four because all the possibilities of resolution. So as long as it, as it is not resolved, we are in a what's going to happen uh, situation. So it's, it's very tense. Most of these things that you wrote as lines here, they are really completely based on four plus four. And this might not be very obvious to the diatonic composer, but if you look at the first three notes, the B flat going up by four chromatic steps, that's the D, another four chromatic steps up led us to the F sharp. Then yeah. this here is another four plus four. Exactly. So the F goes four up to the A, the A goes four up to the C sharp. So this is part of the process. But what do you say, Olivier, that this is uh, something that I believe is very interesting in terms of the process. How do you approach a composition that is supposed to end up in an orchestral environment? Do you jump into the orchestration directly or do you really go through something similar to what we are looking at, which is your sketch right here and very sparse, right? So this is not fully orchestrated. There's, this is just a monophonic line in the first three bars that later gets replaced by a vertical structure yeah. and brings in a little bit of energy in different registers. But it is interesting to me to see how you started the whole piece, right? So yeah. is this a process that you always follow? Yes. So as we talk in another webinar, the importance of sketching, I never begin an orchestration composition. I always begin with a sketch, not to motion. When the composition becomes longer and longer, it's impossible to write orchestration from the beginning because the orchestration is a total process in a way, separated process. But at the same time, it can be connected when I know I'm going to orchestrate. So in a way, when I write a sketch, I don't put random melodic lines in a way. Sometimes I already know the, the melodic line will be played by the flutes or French horn. Uh, sometimes I stick also to the correct position of the note. And if it's a low register or middle or high register, I've already the, the ID that will be uh, used in the orchestration nonetheless. It's really interesting because since you made it available, I want to quickly play the sketch as we are looking at it. So just the piano version of the orchestral piece. And it always, to me, sounds like day and night. The moment you hear a sketch performed just by the piano, and it does not sound like this could be turned into something very useful, but as we just discovered with your orchestration, it actually is very valuable. I believe personally that too many composers, they skip the important steps in the process. 
which is really sketching as one of them, but they simply skip it and believe that jumping into the big orchestration is quicker and simpler, although I don't really believe that this is right, but it's my opinion. So we can argue about this, of course. <laughs> but in, in the end, it all comes down to how quickly and how efficiently you can work. If it takes you, let's say, three days to finish a piece and the orchestration of what we just listened, then this is not efficient. If it took you, I don't know, five hours to write the sketch and the orchestration, that is great. That is really fantastic. So it all comes down to what you want to do in life and how much time you want to spend with these things. But let me quickly play the sketch, the piano version, just to give a contrast to the orchestral one that we've just listened to. So there's a big difference between the sketch and also the emotion that comes out of the sketch and then out of the orchestral version. So this actually leads me then to the question, how do you transfer the emotions that obviously are present in the orchestration from a sketch like this to the finished piece? So obviously you have something in mind before yeah. you start orchestrating. But please take us through this process of what you do. First, I made a few compositions since I began Meta process. Now I have the experience of the sketch on the piano and I know the rigidity of the sound and the clash effect of playing many notes at the same time on the piano. It's not the sound we get from an orchestra because it's more smooth. It can be played uh, in arpeggiatic ways, things like this. So it's not so vertical in a way. We can use trills, things like this, to play uh, two notes at the same time, but not uh, like, a, like a piano. So I, I, I already know with experience that when I hear, in a way, clashing chord, it will not clash uh, in the orchestration. So it's important to know and not to be scared about also. I talk about the beginning, the use of uh, vertical uh, and uh, contrasting with uh, horizontal. So I begin my piece with horizontal lines. 
on the second part, uh, it's interesting because the second part, uh, bar five, for example, is really interesting because on the sketch, it was completely triadic. And I've used the concept of triad, but two at the same time, but with a different foot tone. So if we go on bar five, you can see on my uh, upper structure, I play a C minor. It's a, so a simple triad. And on the uh, lower register, I use a G major. The, the second beat is G major. So I add a G major with a, a C minor triad. In a way, it's a G major seven, major seven. And I have the interval of major seven, which is the interval between the two four. So there is the connection. But that is, that is always the important thing, I believe, to still have a connection. And this may be first a technical connection so that you derive something out of your starting material. But guess what? It will also be emotional connected. So it is actually way easier to start with the technique first and then let the emotion evolve, right? Or unfold in a way. And yes, there are more or less some pretty defined starting points that will lead you to some specific emotions. So don't believe that these things are picked randomly and then you just have to rely on luck. That is also not true, but it is easier for the process to start with the technique and then bring in your taste, your unique voice and treat those things in a way. Like you said, you started with a line. You yeah. wanted to, to hear this line first. You yeah. did not want to start with a strong vertical structure, although you get to it, but a bit later. Yeah. So this was your emotional decision, but it is all connected via the four plus four. So this one here, the first triplet is a four plus four. This is a four plus four. This one here, the F sharp D and B flat again, that's a four plus four. And th there is the resolution. In fact, if we go on the second uh, bit of bar two, it's the G minor resolution. We know we talk about the resolution of four plus four. So there is the minor resolution, the G minor and bar three, second bit, F major resolution. We, we have the two resolution. And you know, I, I've talked about triadic major and minor. It's exactly what I've used after in the triadic part of the sketch. But me, I've used the two, like the two plus four ID concept, but me, it was the use of two triadic. So I've used the concept in reverse in a way. Well, that is that is really then maybe a good transition to the orchestration here, yeah. um, because yeah. that is the score that you wrote and what we've just listened to. And it shows very nicely all of those lines on the woodwinds, right? So I know that you are a fan of the woodwind section and one can really hear it in how you use it. So before we maybe pick one or two spots from the orchestration, let me replay the orchestral version to everybody so that we can look at the score now and refresh our memory.
There are very nice talking of contrast, especially yeah. between those vertical structures and the lines. This becomes very obvious, but also there is a lot of details going on that also create contrast, of course. But Olivier, please feel free to mention one or two of those yes. spots that maybe are your most favorites. Um, yes, I feel, and I already just have a little thought in mind. We're talking about the harshness or difficulty to hear lots of notes and a bit dissonant on the piano. We can play tense sounds, but playing in pianissimo don't give the same result than playing mezzo forte the same structure. So the, the use of the nuances, sorry, I, I was uh, looking for the great words. It's nuances, the, the, also the nuance you are using to play a more dissonant structure and most of the dissonance I'm using or play very smoothly uh, with consordino. And uh, so they, they are not hurting so much and they, they become more questioning than hurting. Yeah, and that is interesting that you mentioned this. Because this goes back again to the overtone series. Yeah. The louder you play any note, really, the more of its overtones get tickled out, so to speak. If you play a fundamental, a note in pianissimo, let's say, you only will hear the next few higher overtones, just a few, not very many. And that is the interesting part because the sound gets richer and more colorful the louder you play it. But guess what? It will also occupy more space. And this is where this clashing element comes in that you mentioned. So also masking is a key word that should be mentioned in that context. But this all is part of the orchestration, which I believe you managed perfectly because this is a very transparent way of writing and orchestrating. And, and also the orchestration made me uh, use other lines. I, I love the when, yes, you were on uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. On bar six, you know, after I've played my main theme on the strings, I have a little melody played on the Celesta, the woodwinds in triplets. Ba -da -da -bi -da -da -da. It wasn't written on the sketch. So the subtleties we can have with orchestration and to uh, give more melodic, sidelines, things like this, is also uh, the creative part, it meaning the, the orchestration continue. There, there is a part of a bit of composition again, you know, continuity of composition in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah, I, in, I like this. In, in this case, what you really figured out is this hole almost, this, this little gap in the melody, right? So you, you started this in the strings here. That's the moment where the whole string section comes in for the first time. And yeah. then it has a rest point exactly. right here. So there is nothing going on in mm. that moment. Also in the violas, we have this trill mm. in the cellos, but mm. this won't clash with the stuff on top because it's in a different register. So there is the opportunity to bring in the sideline and it's essentially just a gap that you are filling. And this might yeah. be a good opportunity if you don't mind. Let me just play the first page and we focus on the strings only because there is a lot of stuff going on in terms of trills, tremolos, then also this tempo synced trill that you've written right here. 
So I believe all of these things are very valuable, especially also with the idea in mind that you can add those sidelines later to help a little bit of the, I would say, sophistication of a piece and the whole complexity to come out a bit more. But this is a perfect example. So let's, let's just listen to the first page. There is so much to talk about here in this, in these few bars, actually. But I would say one of the great things that you did is to mix those different articulations, which almost creates contrast just in the strings section. Exactly. Right. So you have the melody or the melodic element on top. You have a sideline going on in the cellos that gets picked up by the violas. The moment they all come to a rest point, we hear this sideline in the woodwinds and also the celesta. And at the same time, you change to, well, almost an atmospheric part of writing, which is the trill down there in, in the cellos. And these things, they happen so quickly that it is almost a fireworks of impressions. And that makes it pretty interesting to listen to. And it, it keeps the flow in a way because, you know, I, I made the rest, but I played triplets. So uh, the, the pace continues. So even for the listener, we, we know where we are. We have the feeling of the, of the pace. Exactly. It just pushes the energy forward. Yeah. For the moment, we have touched upon uh, so many things already. I will leave the closing words to you because you wrote a significant piece of music here, all based on a rather unconventional starting point, yeah. which is four plus four. So if you ask probably some diatonic composers to compose something based on four plus four, they will be having a hard time because they will be seeing it as an augmented triad and not as something that they can really use in different environments like you did, like harmonic writing or melodic writing, motors even, all of these things. So that is very inspiring. And I want to thank you for that. Yeah, yes. Thanks a lot, Frank. Uh, yes, but it will be a great thank you to uh, Frank Erlinger, Mark Berkowitz and TC Jones, because I'm there because of you. And uh, and uh, it made me accomplish as a composer uh, since nearly uh, a year. The 3rd of February will be my uh, one-year birthday with Mita. So really soon, uh, birthday. We're going to celebrate this. <laughs> this podcast is powered by the Music Interval Theory Academy, your resource for getting clarity and confidence in music composition and orchestration. See you inside at musicintervaltheory.academy.com.